privilege to, to be here this morning and to uh, participate and to be part of this uh, great uh, celebration. Uh, my, my church put a little bit of a, of a ban on my travel uh, just for a number of years. I've been uh, on the road quite a, quite a lot and uh, released from my church on uh, numerous occasions, uh, averaging about maybe 50% of my time on a Sunday morning. But towards the latter part of last year, the church just became aware that I was getting older. <laughs> it wasn't that funny. But I was getting a little bit older, and I needed to be a little bit wiser in my, in my travel. And I needed to focus a little bit more into the local house. So they, they said to me, Ian, would you mind for the first six months of 2019 that you didn't travel at all on a Sunday morning? So I said, yeah, that's not a problem. I, I submit to your, your recommendations, and I submit to your, your authority. And, and then your pastor contacted me and said, would I, would I come on this Sunday morning? And in my calculation, we're still in the first six months of the year. So I, I kind of said yes in rebellion to my local church. And uh, I then went to my leadership and I just said, look, guys, this is the situation. We've got a, a weekend taking place there in, in Exeter. Would you release me? And of course we will. You know, it wasn't something which was pressurized. It wasn't an arm-twisting kind of moment. Of course you can go. So this is the first time I've been on the road for the last six months, really. So, so I'm quite nervous. And uh, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a safe place, aren't I? Are you sure? So I just want to share something. But before I, before I share, before what I uh, believe that God's kind of given, I, I want to honor your, your pastoral team. Uh, Aaron and Rachel this morning, I, I want to thank them for their friendship. You don't know what that, may, that means to, to Jackie and I. We've worked uh, very closely together for a period of years, and I want to thank you for your loyalty to us as a couple, and I want to thank you for your friendship. And um, he, he often would joke, and he'd say, this is my boss. But uh, Jesus said this on one occasion, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And that there is power in friendship. There really is. And part of the, the joy of serving Assemblies of God for the last 17 years in a capacity, whether it locally, nationally, or whatever, is working alongside guys such as this. And I respect you guys for what you're doing. And I say thank you for everything you are to us. Thank you. And I mean that. But I'd also just like to say another little thank you to, to this church, because you have supported the role of uh, regional superintendency, national leadership team, over the course of the years, we've held many great events here, so thank you for that to the broader church. But I'd like to say a massive thank you for lending us Jenny Spicer. Jenny, where, where are you, Jenny? There she is, halfway, halfway back. You, you lent her to us. She became Mrs. Jenny Spicer uh, just a matter of five years ago, just coming up to maybe five and a half years ago. Uh, and Don passed away 12 months ago, and Jenny and Don were very key to our local church there in Torquay. And we are a better church in Torquay because of that lady. We really are. You do not know the gem you have in that lady in your midst here on a Sunday morning. She is phenomenal. She's a prayer warrior and uh, someone who Jackie and I would confide in. Uh, and that's great to know that you've got somebody you can confide in. You, can, you know that she's got your back. Very supportive. So we've lent her back to you. All right, this is not a free transfer. The transfer fee will be coming in January. <laughs> uh, and it's a multi-million pound transfer fee. It really is. So look after her. 
respect her, and she's a great value to, to, this, local, to this local church. Okay, that's the kind of all the stuff I wanted to kind of get over before I kind of get into the word, word of God. I don't know about you, but do you ever find yourself in a season where you're asking the question, what next? Can, it, can anybody kind of recognize that that might be where they are, even in the context of today? What, what next? It, it may be in a church setting, it may be in a ministry or broader setting, it may be in a work setting, it may be in an educational setting, but oftentimes you you find yourself in that kind of setting where you're asking yourself some deep, deep questions. And if you're like me, you haven't always got the answers. Lots of questions, but not a lot of answers. And I want to just focus for a few moments, if you'd open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 1. We're going to delve right into this this morning. Acts chapter 1, for those of you who don't know where that is, it's in the New Testament. But Acts chapter 1 is the, the promise of the Holy Spirit in the first few verses. We then have the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ who is taken back into, into heaven. But what I want to focus on for a, a few moments is, is verse 11, and it reads like this. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday... He'll return from heaven the same way you saw him, him go. I want you just to, to hold that verse for a few moments in your thinking. We're going to, I trust, to unpack it over the course of the next three hours. Um, but so, so we, we, We'll get there. I promise you we will we'll get there. Just pre-Easter, we as a local church go on a journey called Lent. I, I know it's not necessarily a practice we would do maybe in the uh, denomination that we're, we're part of, but we as a local church value Lent, and we realize that we're going on a journey from Ash Wednesday right through to Easter Sunday of 40 days, asking God what next, asking God to help us, to direct us, and to really instill something for a, a reality uh, of a new future. We, we then realize that once we get to Easter, and Easter Sunday was only Last Sunday, and I trust like us in Torquay, you had a phenomenal Easter Sunday when we gather together and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then we, we as a local church, go on another journey. And that journey is a journey of 50 days because from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday is a period of 50 days. 40 days into that journey, we would recognize the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ going to heaven. But then another 10 days on top of that, we then see how Pentecost happens and the, the room was filled with the Holy Spirit, outpoured onto those in that room and they were empowered, equipped, and they became world changers. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church that does, just doesn't impact its local community, but impacts the world that we reside and we find ourselves in. And what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, is Jesus has been taken to heaven and the disciples who were with him were stood there, standing and staring into the, into the sky. If you're looking for a text, some of you might want to have a capital text this morning. It's simply this. Don't just stand there. Do something. Just nudge the person next to you and say, this preacher's preaching at you this morning. Don't, don't just uh, stand there, but do something. 
Uh, somebody who would like to kind of put it into maybe a, a better concept or a nutshell would say this. Do something. Make your life count. I, I, I'm 54. I will be a granddad for the second time in the month of September. I, I trust in the course of time we'll have more grandchildren because grandchildren are better than children. <laughs> they really are. You get away with so much more. You, you really do. But I realize that I have this one life. And, and you have this one life. Life is not a dress rehearsal for something to come, but life is what God has given to us, and we don't know how many years we have in this period of life, but we have this one life that we need to do something with. And the challenge to, to this local church this morning is simply this. Don't just stand there staring, but will you, you do something? We don't have to look very far into the Old Testament and even into the New Testament when we begin to see the Lord beginning to speak to people in the Old Testament, he would talk to the children of Israel and instruct them to, to move on, to break camp, to allow him to stir the nest and to make the comfortable place called the nest uncomfortable. So we then in turn become the people who live what we would call a sent life. We begin to look into the Gospels, into the, what is called the Great Commission there in Matthew chapter 28, where we're encouraged to seek those that are lost and to make disciples and then to baptize those who have made decisions for Christ and to teach them into the things and to the ways of our great God. Chris Hodges, the, the pastor of a phenomenal church there in the United States, the Highway Church, or the Church of the Highlands, I should say, he says this, that there are men and women who are on a journey. There are those who are lost and they become saved. There are those who are saved who become pastored. And then there are those who are pastored, become discipled. And then the disciples become missionaries and live a sent life. Can I encourage us this morning, no matter what your age, if you still have blood running through your veins and a pulse within your wrist and your heart, there is something that God wants you to do. It's not living a comfortable life, but it's living a sent life life. But what do I mean by, by, by living a, a sent life? A sent life comes from the terminology of, a, of an archer. But, and when I say archer, I'm not referring to the archers on Radio 4, for those of you who are old enough to understand what I mean by that. But an archer is someone who has the bow, the arrow, and places the arrow within the framework of the bow, pulls the string of the bow back, and releases the arrow to hit an intended target. Can I encourage us today that we live sent lives? I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is moving amongst the ordinary. Aren't you grateful for that? He moves amongst the ordinary, but he also moves amongst the extraordinary. And God begins to, to move amongst us. He flows in us and, and through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And every one of us in this room... When we make ourselves available for him, God can use him and her. Every one of us in this room. There's nobody in this room this morning who's disqualified from being used by God. In fact, your journey doesn't disqualify you, but your journey qualifies you. 
Your education doesn't disqualify you, but your education qualifies you. Can I even say, for those of us who have very little education, our lack of education and the inability to string some words together doesn't disqualify one, but qualifies one. I want you to come with me this, this morning on a journey of living a, a sent life. I, I love it when I turn to the scripture and I begin to see how God uses the educated individuals such as Paul, who was learned, had all the qualifications that one would desire in that day, educated by top educationalists mixed with the right people, knew how to articulate and how to put words together, and God used him. God transformed his life, and instead of living a self-centered life, began to live a sense life. But I'm also grateful that God takes the likes of Peter, uneducated fishermen, ordinary men, where God sees the potential inside of them, and begins to call them. And what we see in the dialogue that Peter had on one occasion, it said this, that he amazed those that were listening because people recognized that he was an ordinary man. But what qualified him in this setting was this. He was an ordinary man who had spent time with Jesus. Come on, church. I want to talk to a congregation who... Don't want to live self-centered lives, but want to live sent lives. You, you see, there, there needs to be a shift from, from being passive in our Christianity and our faith and being active in our faith. That there needs to be some intentionality connected to our walk. There needs to be some passion with our enthusiasm. We are not called for nominal Christianity or faith, but we've been called to walk a walk of adventure, and to live that life that God would want us to, to live. Am I making sense this morning? But I want to just push it a little bit more, if you'd permit me, that this morning. How can we live a sent life? Well, we can live a sent life by inviting people to join the journey. When was the last time maybe you invited somebody to come to the house of God? When was the last time you invited somebody to come and to sit under the, the, the gospel of what's being preached? We, we can live a sent life when it comes to volunteering. Every church is built and is continued to build on the heart of a volunteer. That those that are willing to serve, those who are willing to, to follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ who, who came to serve this world. We can live a sent life with a heart of generosity. Not, not a heart of stinginess which says I'm going to hold back, but a heart of generosity which begins to, to give. Let's be active in our generosity. We can live a sent life when it comes to living a life of faith. Faith is, is not boring. Faith is, is not something which just allows you just to trickle on through life, but, but faith generates something within the belly and the gut which causes us to move forward. And when the church begins to live by faith, can you begin to imagine what God can do in us and, and through us? But I want to be honest this morning. So sometimes there's a, a tug of war that takes place within my heart and my head. That the tug of war is simply this. Ian, why don't you live for yourself? 
Why don't you acquire this and acquire that? Set yourself up for, for, for a retirement or set yourself up for, for this. But the other part of me wants to live this sent life. And there can often be a tug of war. The heart feels like it's being pulled apart. The mind, the thinking can be pulled apart. Is there anybody else in this room today that often finds himself in that kind of tension? Living a sent life or living a self-life. Whatever choice I I make creates a crisis of faith. You you see, if I choose to live a sent life, I have a crisis of faith because I I have to call out to God and say, God, will you help me? If I decide to choose a a self-life, I also have a crisis of faith because that's a dangerous place to be as well. So I have to cry out to God in an apology and repentance. But what I see throughout the, the, the Bible that we, we read is, is patterns. We see how God rescues people. We see how he transforms them. And then we see how he sends them. We have been rescued to be transformed to live a sent life. So then we in turn go back and help people to be rescued in turn to be transformed, who then become part of the sending army that God has, ha, has for us. You, you see, don't just stand there staring, do something. Don't switch off on me now. But don't just stand there doing, staring into the sky, but let's do something. If there is action, the opposite to action is inaction. Some people might refer to it as the sin of omission or the sin of inaction. Uh, Omission is the failure to act. Uh, And I want to encourage us this morning, I want to bring maybe six kind of little thoughts. That was the warm-up, is that okay? Uh, For the next uh, few moments, just looking at six kind of actions, prompters to, to cause us to shift from living a life of inaction or a life of omission and becoming the sent type of person. I want to share a story, if you permit me, this morning. The story is a, of an individual called Walt Stack. Uh, many of you would not know him. You would not know his name, especially some of the, the, the younger ones in our congregation this morning. But in 1987, that's 32 years ago, that the Nike brand, the Nike organization, the, the guys who make all of the wonderful footwear and, and tracks uh, stuff that we would, we would wear, you can see that I'm built for speed, can't you? <laughs> but they were struggling. That They were struggling to keep up with the competitors within the marketplace. And in 1988, they had a conference meeting where they brought all of their brains together. Uh, And this 80-year-old guy was engaged to be part of the making of the very first TV commercial. I don't know if some of us older ones remember this and recall this, but running over the San Francisco Golden Bridge was this marathon runner. He had a pair of shorts on, a pair of tatty white socks with some wonderful Nike trainers, and he was running across the San Francisco Golden Bridge And when he was asked about running, he simply said this, I just do it. And out of nowhere came the brand, Nike, just do it. 
that that slogan, which was a throwaway comment from Walt Stack, was simply branded and enabled this struggling company to become a multi-billion dollar global brand. Can I encourage us today? Don't just stand there staring into the sky. Do something. Do something. If you want an exciting life, do something. This 80-year-old marathon runner, you're like this. He was asked about his dentures because they realized that he was pounding the street and the streets of San Francisco, that the vibration from the pavements, the tarmac, the concrete, would go through every joint and would cause his dentures to rattle. And he looked across at his questionnaire person, the, question, the guy who was asking the question. He said this, I've solved the problem. I leave my dentures in the locker. <laughs> Church, don't just stand there staring. Do something. Every one of us needs to, to do something. And there have been multiple occasions and multiple times over the course of being a born-again Christian. There's been multiple occasions over the course of 25 years of leading Riviera Life Church. There's been multiple occasions over the course of 17 years being involved with Assemblies of God in a national or a localized uh, setting when I've had to prompt myself, come on Ian, do something. Just do it. And I've learned this, I have to do it before my brain gets engaged. Because so many times I've allowed my brain to get engaged. And the moment my brain gets engaged, I think of 101 excuses why I can't do it. 101 reasons why I shouldn't do it. And then I have the nerve to ask my wife and she gives me 1,001 reasons why I shouldn't do it. Can I encourage us? Not to overanalyze stuff. Just do it. What, what, what is God prompting you in this place today at 20 to 12 to do? Maybe that's the word of the Lord for you this morning. Very simply, just do it. Don't be reckless, but have a go. Have a go. Proverbs Chapter 3, verse 5 is one of our favorite verses. When I say our, it's Jackie and my favorite, one of our favorite verses. Simply reads like this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend. One translation would say, don't lean on your own understanding. And when we begin to understand that we're going to live this life which is sent, we can begin to exercise what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Am I helping anybody this morning? The second thing I want to encourage us to overcome in action is simply this. Take some small actions today. You know, you don't have to wait to apply what I'm saying. You, you can make some decisions here this morning and you can begin to make some differences in the days, the weeks, the months, the years, God willing to to come. Take some small actions. You see, oftentimes we're, we're waiting to climb the mountain, but to overcome the mountain, you have to take one step. We want to bring some giants down, but before you, we can bring some giants down, we need to bring some lions and some bears down. And the small actions of lions and bears lead us and position us to take on the giants. 
do something. Let's take some small actions. You, you see, we can often procrastinate. Are there any procrastinators in the room this morning? Raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. The evangelist is coming out now. I see that hand. But to procrastinate is taking the slogan of Nike once again and just putting a twist to it. Just do it later. When I was growing up, and many of you older ones in our congregation this morning, you, you, you know my parents, Derek and Maxine Williams. And oftentimes we'd be sat in our rooms, more of my brother than myself, but they would look across the room and said, have you tidied your room yet? And the answer was yes, or no, I'll do it later. I think sometimes that same attitude slips into the life of a local church. Amongst its congregation members, amongst its partners, amongst those who are called to the house. Yeah, I'm going to do something, but I'm going to do it later. Procrastination, just do it later. Or if you're Cornish like I am, it's I'll do it directly. <laughs> I'll do it directly. Come on, church. Don't just stand there staring. Do something. I want to bring a level of education into this room this morning. Oh, I've got no GCSEs. Can't even pronounce the word. But I just want to bring some mathematical equation into the house this morning to, to make it look like I'm learned. But when I was in, in school, in, in Bassett Road Primary School or Junior School in Camborne in Cornwall, and then going to Camborne Comprehensive School and then relocating to Paynton and becoming part of the Mafia at Paynton Community College, <laughs> we had these mathematical symbols. And the symbol simply talks about greater than and less than. And sometimes we, we become inactive and we begin to live the sin of omission because we don't add this value system to our, to our lives. You, you see, you need to hear this, church. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave resides and lives inside of every one of us. It really does. And if we can begin to apply this spiritually to us, we will not just stand there staring into the sky, but we'll do something. You, you see, when we begin to apply this symbol to our lives, there's greater output and less input. But so many times we come and we become obese, spiritually speaking, because it's, I take, I take, I take. It's all about input, input, input. You are inputted on a Sunday so you can output on a Monday. Don't just stand here staring into the skies, church. Do something. Do something. You see, there needs to be greater action and less abdication. There needs to be greater participation and less spectating. There needs to be greater faith and less fear. Don't just stand here staring into the skies, but will you please do something? Am I still your friend? Okay, let's go to point number four. We need to be intentional. 
if we're not intentional, we don't live the life that God would want us to, to live. You see, the room can be filled with good intention, or the room can be filled with intentional living. So, so what's going to happen next? You, you can be intentional about it, or, or, or you can just allow things to meander and wander throughout life. We lose so many hours, so many moments, so many opportunities when we just meander. But when we live intentionally, God begins to show up and begins to reveal things to us. Benjamin Franklin, in one of his sayings, said this, If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. So, so don't just stand there staring into the skies, church, where you, where you discover your purpose. Every one of us has a part to play in the jigsaw puzzle piece called Riverside. Every one of us has a part to play in the plan, the scheme that God ha has for us. We, we need to be deliberate in our action. We need to plan. We need to pray. We need to discover, develop, and deploy our, our gift. I'm going to move on swiftly because the keyboard has come to the platform. <laughs> me not daft, me not silly. I know that means I'm nearly finished. <laughs> One of the hardest parts of don't just stand there, don't just start staring into the sky, it is the starting point. And starting is always the hardest part of doing something. I'm going to start a diet tomorrow. I'm going to start exercise on Tuesday. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start that. Can I encourage us today that the, to overcome inaction, you need to take action. To overcome inertia. Inertia is the tendency to do nothing, to remain unchanged, to resist change, to deliberately stand still, motionless, directionless, we need to overcome spiritual inertia by taking some steps of faith. Don't just stand there staring, church. Begin to take some steps of faith. The sixth point and my final point. This is the last page, so don't worry. It's got six points, four illustrations. We're going to get there. Don't just stand there staring into the sky, but will you dare to dream big? Will you begin to, to dream big? Will you begin to take some big steps of faith? In this room this morning, there is an igniting of some faith being birthed, some fanning into flame with some of the stuff that God's spoken to you over the past. It requires steps of faith. It requires us to say, I'm refusing to stare at the skies and the stars, the, star, the, the stars. And I'm going to get out of the boat and I'm going to, to do something. You see, the distance between your dreams becoming reality is something called action. And if we can rally together like-minded men, women, boys and girls who are determined to stop standing and staring and they're going to become emotional, they're going to become a movement of ordinary and extraordinary people we can begin to see our futures changed. We can begin to see our city changed. The city of Exeter changed and transformed, rescued, transformed, and sent. I am convinced that this is not a room full of spectators, 
but this is a room full of participators. Men and women who choose not to stand and stare, but are men and women, boys and girls, who choose to hear the voice of God and to step out and to make a difference. God bless you this morning.